folks, welcome to another week. This is the Live Life and Rest Week show. Here, Hogan, that's me. Got Mike Mall on the other side. Oh man, I love the the pregame warm up before we start recording these shows, man. Sometimes <laughs> it, it really sets the tone, big time. Yeah, we have <laughs> we have one of our favorite guests on. We're going to talk to him in a minute. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's if it's relevant to some of the news that. But when we recorded it, by the time we recorded this episode, the, the weekend that just passed. Vinnie Paul, drummer for Pantera, he was also in Hell Yeah, he turned up dead. And we don't know what the oh, circumstances are yet. Yeah, but I was really sad to hear that because I don't know him personally, but I used to see him around Vegas all the time. I would see him at concerts, yeah. Judas Priest, Megadeth, he was always around. And I would yeah. see him interact with fans, and I could just tell that the fans loved it. He was really nice to the fans. He just seemed like a gracious guy. So I was always in this guy's orbit. I never talked to him, never met him. But I, I was sad to hear about that, and I don't know what the circumstances are. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, that'll be revealed. But this episode today, we're going to be talking about depression, and I don't know if that was relevant to Vinnie Paul, but it's definitely relevant to a lot of people. We we had an episode yeah. with Johan Hari a while back that a lot of people really enjoyed, and he has a great book on depression. But the one thing he doesn't yeah, talk right about in his book... Yeah, yeah, just go ahead, yeah, go right ahead. Right after that, we talked to, no, we, right after that, we talked to Harley, and, you know, mm-hmm. Harley was just, you know, raving about, you know, his interaction with Anthony, Bo- Anthony Bourdain, and then, like, two days right, after we right. recorded that episode, Anthony, you know, you know, he died from suicide, you know, yeah. like, two days later, and Harley, I'm pretty sure, took that pretty hard, because they were really, really tight. Yeah, man. he did. It was just, it was just crazy, man, you know? <laughs> it, it, so, it's just... So, I mean, yeah, depression it's, is it's just, a lot more rampant than people would like to admit. And I think as more and exactly. more of these cases are coming up, you have to start accepting certain realities. I think a lot of people are depressed themselves and don't realize it. They just don't want to admit it. Or they don't. They, they just think everyone they know feels the same way. So, they just think it's normal. Exactly. Everybody's, you know, on the same, you know, anti-depression medication, whatever. So, it seems normal now. It's like walking around with a first aid kit and it has aspirin in it. You know, so now their purses and, you know, and whatever else has become that first aid kit now where they have their antidepressant medication. Everybody's on it. So it's just normal now. It's become, you know, it's become so normalized. Every commercial is an antidepressant commercial, you know, so to the point where you just desensitize to it. And they just feel like their levels of depression is not like, well, I'm not like these celebrities. You know, like I feel a little down, but, you know, I, I cope. I get through it. Right. <laughs> you know. So. Right. And what many fail to realize is that. Your hormones have way more influence on how you think and feel than the other way around. So without looking at your hormonal profile, if you're going to address depression, you have to address your hormone profile as well. And very few people have that come up when they go to to their medical professional. So fortunately, we have Dr. Gordon on today. He's been on many times, show favorite. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the connection between hormones and depression and we're going to get into some very specific hormones, such as DHEA and pregnenolone. But before we get into that, just real quick, things are moving forward with my pre-workout drink. And actually, we just talked to Dr. Mark Gordon about a couple of things. That's giving me some pause to get into some other ideas to make it even better. But anyway, I'm confident that this pre-workout drink, it's, good. it's so good that Dr. Mark Gordon is actually going to start working out again if he takes this. He's not going to just be digging holes in his backyard for his workout, as, as he revealed on, on Dr. That's pleomorphics. Come on. Pleomorphics, you know? You get more more than just the belly of the muscles done when you do pleomorphics with that pickaxe and the shovel and br- brooming all the mess that's there, repairing the walls that I threw the, the axe at, you know? That's all pleomorphics. When Delgado asked you what your workout regimen is, and you said you dig holes in your backyard, <laughs> that, that, 
that's open. That's open to yeah, interpretation with you guys. They can be interpreted a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So now you what are you still in the <laughs> You have a lot well, of people you dislike. No, it's Gordon, not Gordoni, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but I got some great fruit trees out in the backyard now, some beautiful uh, pomegranates and lemons and limes and, you know, nice citrus. So, well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be if you're gonna be fruitful and multiply, I guess you know, that's right. No and I'm gonna be digging going. holes. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> we, won't, we, won't, we won't even talk about your trip to Vietnam, then. I guess that. I guess that well, it was Vietnam, was Cambodia, and Thailand. <laughs> well, I actually, out of curiosity, how did how did those what was what was the purpose of those trips, and how did it go? Uh, it went really well. Uh, fundamentally, it was about setting up uh, hormone replacement uh, technology in uh, Thailand and in uh, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and in Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. They're starting to learn in these economies that are growing, they're becoming financial stable. They're starting to realize that, wait a second, we've got to protect our health, mental health, sense of well-being, and uh, physical health, and we're not. We're just talking about superficial with cosmetics. So right. they've learned that the hormones that we uh, become deficient in because of head trauma, environmental toxins, uh, drugs, chemicals, byproducts that influence our endocrine system, they realize they have to test and therefore replenish what's being you know taken out of the body or lost in production in order for them to sustain a high quality of health. All the stuff that you know you guys are doing that we're doing you know independently and together here in the United yeah. States. So they've got it finally. So I get invited to, you know, set up centers. We just opened a 14,400 square foot center in um, the Three Rivers buildings in Phnom Penh. Beautiful 60 some odd story each building. We got the fourth floor, part of the fourth floor. And then in uh, uh, Vietnam, a beautiful center in their Lotus Palm uh, stock building, one of the famous places in uh, in uh Ho Chi Minh City, and offering more than just aesthetic medicine, uh, offering, you know, how to reconstitute a healthy young body by making sure all the hormones are equivalent to a 25 to 35-year-old and someone that's 60, 70 years of age and getting all the benefits that we here in the United States already are experiencing with hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Why, why don't you think, why doesn't, when you optimize your hormonal profile, why doesn't it have, I mean, obviously it has more, it has a, a great impact on how you look, your exterior, but why doesn't it have even more impact? Because you're turning all your hormones back to youthful levels, but if you're 65 with youthful levels of hormones via hormone replacement or whatever medium you use to get there, you don't look like you're 25, of course. You don't look like you're 35. No. You're going you're gonna to look... You may not look 65, but you're not going to look as youthful as you feel on the inside. Uh, correct. And I think it has, uh, you know, it's multifaceted. There are many reasons for it. One is the majority of us start back in hormone replenishment late. Right. You know, we wait until we're already sick or we yeah. wait until we're already symptomatic, either psychologically, psychiatrically, or physiologically with uh, diabetes or this illness or that illness before we start implementation of a hormone replenishment. But I think if one was to follow their um, hormone levels 
you know, 40 years of age onward and start addressing them in an aggressive manner, meaning not accepting a hormone level on the root laboratory results, a 40-year-old has a lower level of testosterone than a 25 or 35-year-old. Why is that? Well, it's because the testing that was done was in someone who already had a deficiency in their body, but they said, oh, this deficiency is really sufficiency because it's 40 years of age. And what we do is we bring the hormone levels, regardless of the age, to between 25 and 35. Think of it. This is when we're the healthiest, where we're the horniest, where we're the most physical. We want to do, we're mentally there. We really want to push through and do a lot more uh, seeing what's at the other end if we do nothing. So I think that's yeah. what's influencing the body aspect starting earlier. You know, I'll yeah. be 66 January and, you know, uh, I look like 66. But everybody else thinks I'm, you know, 40s or late 40s, early 50s because I started, you know, at 47. Because of the depression and the obesity that I gained from having had three hormone deficiencies, growth hormone, Mm -hmm. testosterone, and thyroid. And upon starting early, I think that influenced it. The outer appearance. You don't look look a day over 65. Yeah, I know that. I thought it was 65 (laughs) and a half earlier. But anyway, you know, they're numbers. It's how you feel. Yeah, I'd wish that my external... That's the most important thing. Yeah, no doubt. It's how you feel because that's what gives you your ability to complete so many things. I've got 20 some odd projects I'm working on right now and, uh, you know, enjoying my days, sleeping anywhere between four and a half to six hours, waking up with an incredible amount of energy because the hormone hormones being balanced, I sleep, hit the head, you know, my head hits the pill, I'm gone. And I'm gone yeah. for three, three cycles of sleep, 90 minutes each. I wake up four and a half hours later or six hours later. I try to keep in bed until eight, eight hours. I can't. I'm like tossing and turning because I'm anxious. I want to get out and start doing things. You lose right. a third of your life in bed. Yeah. Unless you have someone there with you. A third is in traffic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's getting yeah, I'd worse. I'd rather be in bed than traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just talking to a, a patient who was in uh, about how it used to take like an hour and 50 minutes to drive from L.A. down to San Diego. I went down to uh, L.A., I mean, to San Diego for my daughter, my middle daughter, the naturopath, opened up her, her um, center in Little Italy in San Diego. It took three and a half effing hours to get there and four yeah. to get back. It's like yeah. crazy. So well, I, I lived traffic. in Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles for four years. It could take two hours to go from Santa Monica to downtown LA or Santa Monica to West Hollywood. Uh huh. Pretty bad. It's just, it's just crazy. It would take me like three and a half just to get from Houston to Dallas. And people look at it on the map and say, oh man, this will spread out. But you guys, <laughs> right. like, LA and San Diego's right next to each other. It takes the same amount right. of time. Like you could have right. just flown, just taking the airplane, <laughs> you know, and got there, man. A lot faster. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Even yeah. with TSA. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with so with depression, the hormonal connection to depression, let's focus on on the importance of DHEA and pregnenolone, and mm-hmm. also how about melatonin? Because we just talked about the importance of sleep quality, and I think melatonin has a lot of benefits beyond just sleep quality. It lowers estrogen while you sleep. It also has restorative benefits, which will definitely affect mood. Mm-hmm. But let's start, let's start with DHEA. How how important is DHEA for mood, brain health, depression? Well, they're all very important. I think uh, in what you said about melatonin, you can apply to every one of the chemicals that are in the brain, hormones, because right. what we're finding is that 
every one of the hormones in the brain, melatonin inclusive, have an incredible anti-inflammatory free radical scavenging ability. And what the premise of the work that I'm doing in traumatic brain injury that we're getting such great results on is the fact that inflammation can lead to changes in chemical systems in our brain that is expressed as cognitive impairment or psychoneurobehavioral changes, moodiness, so forth and so on. So it's because we look at testosterone or estradiol or progesterone as being gender hormones, male or female. We look at them as being sex hormones, libido hormones, reproductive hormones. But there's another side to them, which is this anti-inflammatory benefit. In right. DHEA, in DHEA, it's known to have an incredible benefit in the brain when it's converted to DHEAS. S is for sulfonated, it's activated form. And what it does is it drops an inflammatory chemical in the brain called IL-6 or interleukin-6, which is part of the inflammatory, is one of the inflammatory components in our immune system, which is in the family called cytokines. So what we're finding is every one of these hormones as a additional benefit of their presence has an influence or modulating effect on inflammation in the brain. So anything that is inflammatory related can create changes in the chemistry in the brain. It's like, you know, your lead acid battery that you would pour in distilled water and the electrons would flow and your car would run. What happens if you'd put, you know, Coca-Cola in there or monkey pee? It changes the entire chemistry of the battery or of the brain so that chemical reactions that are dependent upon this balance of chemistry no longer function. So the success that we've been getting in patients with depression with DHEA is relative to correcting this inflammatory process that has altered the chemistry for cognition and for um, behavior and psychobehavior. And in fact, in 1952, they started doing studies on uh, DHEAS, the activated form, in depression and found that it was really effective. And then the scene goes a little dark between 90, uh, 1953 and 93. And a Dr. Morales in 1994 uh, comes out with this double-blind crossover study looking at DHEAS and the fact that it reduced depression in 30.5% of the cases, which is a significant amount because if you look at the pharma that in order for their product to be accepted uh, in as a effective medical treatment, it has to have more than 5% effectiveness on the selected illness that it's directed towards. But here is 30.5. But the problem is pharmaceutical-grade DHEA, uh, 25 milligrams a night to 50 milligrams a night, costs about $35 for six-month supply, pharmaceutical-grade physician dispensed. So it really can't make money for the pharma right. industry, so they haven't gone there. And it comes from Mexican yeah. wild yams. So that's the benefit and some of the science that's behind uh, DHEAS. And there are actually, I mean, if you go to Google Scholar and you put in a search of uh, DHEA and depression, there's only about 23,500 articles that come up relating DHEA and depression, major depression. So there's an ample amount of support for using DHEA 
as uh, part of a treatment or as sole treatment for mild depression or depression. And given that DHEA is the ultimate stress management hormone, has an inverse relationship with cortisol, wouldn't it make sense mm-hmm. that the higher your DHEA levels are, the better you handle stress? And, of course, the better you handle stress, the better your mood is going to be. Correct. Stress cortisol, under stress, cortisol goes up, and in the brain it shuts down a luteinizing hormone that makes testosterone. It also shuts down thyroid-stimulating hormone, which makes thyroid hormone T4 and T3. And when you look at the literature, there are over 410,000 articles relating thyroid to depression between 2000 and 2015. There are something like 129,000 articles um, relative to testosterone and depression. And then the next product, which is pregnenolone, there are 6,450 articles relating um, pregnenolone to anxiety and depression. So these natural hormones or these hormones that are in the brain are called neurosteroids. The ones that are running around the body or produced in the body are neuroactive steroids. So our brain produces all these hormones, de novo, meaning in its location, from cholesterol. So if we do anything right. to uh, alter cholesterol, what will happen is it will downregulate the production of these hormones. And in people who go to a men's health center or a hormone center or a testosterone center for low T, 90% of them are put on just testosterone. And what testosterone right. does is it shuts off luteinizing hormone, and luteinizing hormone is what starts the process of cholesterol conversion to pregnenolone, which is called the mother of all hormones. So what happens is a lot of guys that we see have been through one of these clinics and they come in and they say, well, I left that clinic because I was started on treatment. I felt good in the beginning and four to six months down the road, I didn't feel as well. I went back to the doctor. He had increased my production of uh, my use of testosterone. I felt well for a couple of months and I felt bad again. There's something he's not doing. There's something that's not being done. And it turns out that by shutting off the luteinizing hormone, you shut off pregnenolone and 11 brain hormones. Mm -hmm. And those 11 brain hormones like pregnenolone, pregnenodiol, progesterone, um, allopregnanolone, allopregnanolone sulfated, all the sulfated activated form, DHEA, 7-keto-DH, all these things have influence on the chemistry and the inflammatory state of the brain. You want to drop the inflammation of the, in the brain, um, you know, and that's why we use things like glutathione because glutathione is the front line of defense in the brain or NAC and acetylcysteine, that's the precursor to glutathione. And acetylcysteine and glutathione help to clean up some of the inflammation in the brain. The military that we see with blast trauma or repetitive gunfire or the ones playing with the Laws rocket or with the, um, what is it, Gustav you know, missiles or rockets, that the blast trauma uh, creates an inflammation and or in a car accident or being hit on the head, assaulted or wrestling or jujitsu or taekwondo or whatever, football, how about football? It leads Mm -hmm. to inflammation and the glutathione system just is is consumed because there's just a limited amount and you need to replenish it. And we've had, you know, some of our major successes just treating people with these uh, nutraceutical, bioavailable, biological, natural products that alter the inflammation in the brain. And you see hormone levels go up because, 
the inflammation doesn't allow for the pituitary to do its job or the hypothalamus to do its job in the body, generating the signals for our testicles or ovaries to produce testosterone, adrenals with uh, cortisol and so forth. Yeah, I remember some research that showed that glutathione supplementation increased DHEA. Maybe it was N-acetylcysteine that increased glutathione, which in, in turn increased Correct. DHEA. Yeah, and that's all by allowing the chemistry to work. DHEAS and the astrocytes, which are one of the glial cells in the brain. Thyroid, T3 in the uh, cells. Uh, oligodendrocytes, which produce myelin, is stimulated by DHEA, so it improves the coding of the nerves so that people who have inflammation in the brain, like the uh, the classical discussion is about multiple sclerosis, which is an inflammatory disease that strips away the myelin and causes short-circuiting of nerves, but you can regenerate it with DHEAS. DHEAS, you know, if you look up DHEAS and ischemic heart disease, there are about 260 articles in the traditional cardiovascular literature talking about the benefit of DHEA S, the activated form, that when it's in the lower quartile, you know, the first 25% of the range, you have the highest amount of heart attacks. When it's in the upper end, you have the least amount. It's either right. the anti-inflammatory effect or the, neuro, or the vascular protection. You know, they're still not sure what it is, but these are hormones that we basically don't pay any, uh, any credence to, that we really yeah. need to look at for a multitude of reasons. Right. What about mineral supplementation? How, is impor how, how important is it to have optimal levels of, let's say, magnesium, zinc, in particular, magnesium, the connection between mm -hmm. magnesium and optimal DHEA levels? Mm -hmm. Well, magnesium in a lot of chemical reactions, like the conversion of testosterone to estradiol in, in estradiol synthetase that we commonly call aromatase, uh, aromatase is magnesium-dependent. And in order for that enzyme system to work, there are a lot of systems in our body that are either selenium, like our thyroid, dependent on selenium to make optimal amount of, of uh, thyroid hormone. So when we find a patient who has what they call a sluggish thyroid, we'll put them on uh, selenium and iodide. And in the majority of cases, it fixes it. They're just mineral deficient. They don't need supplementation with thyroid hormone. And right. in, in uh, people who have... Um, uh, insulin-resistant uh, type 2 diabetes, where they have a high insulin level and a high sugar level, high triglyceride level in the blood, it turns out that chromium deficiency is very common because mm. chromium is called the insulin, um, insulin uh, what is it called? Insulin uh, factor. It helps insulin recognition on the receptor, the GLUC4, GLUC5 receptor, and makes insulin more uh, recognizable so you don't need a lot of it. Uh, you've got magnesium, molybdenum, manganese. You've got um, copper, immune system, copper in the immune system, copper in uh, energy production, uh, chromium, as I said, with, with insulin. So the answer is yes. And where are we getting our minerals? Where is each of us getting our minerals? Drinking water? No. Uh, it's actually diluting out and you're urinating out um, minerals um, yeah. in our Fruits and vegetables, look at the studies done in agriculture. Our soil is deplete or depleted in a, lot of our, in a lot of our minerals. Zinc is involved in 300 processes in the body. Antiviral, anti-cancer, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-dementia. Helps the pancreas produce um, insulin. Helps the testicles produce testosterone. And it's a natural aromatase inhibitor. In 33 years, I've never used aromatase 
or, you know, a, a Rimidex or whatever. I've used zinc. Zinc's a natural aromatase inhibitor. But first thing is, you don't overload the patients with or the individual with testosterone. You don't have to worry about it. So right. minerals, right. very important. I was going to ask you on our, uh, before this program, uh, what mineral product you like using. I have a, a product that I use that seems to be working well, but I'm always looking for something, you know, to kick it up. Well, I mean, I use transdermal magnesium oil. I sell it as well. I have a, I have a mm-hmm. topical magnesium zinc, and it has MSM to increase permeability. That, mm-hmm. I found, works really well. And there's some research that magnesium applied topically increases DHA a lot more than, let's say, oral intake of magnesium. So the magnesium is needed for the enzyme. I've got it, uh, hydroxydesmutase, which... Um, Helps mm-hmm. uh, the conversion of uh, from pregnenolone to DHEA. You know, cholesterol to DHEA, uh, cholesterol to pregnenolone. It goes two different major pathways: one to DHEA, and then down a cascade of testosterone, DHT, estriol, estradiol, and estrone. And then the other one, which is uh, pregnenolone to progesterone to cortisol, or 11-hydroxy cortisone to cortisol to aldosterone. So two major pathways, and they're all dependent upon things like magnesium. Very important. The heart, um, in people who are alcoholics, the reason why the heart gets flabby in the cells, the Purkinje cells can't contract well, is from magnesium deficiency. Why we get cramping is because magnesium is important in the relaxation phase of our, you know, muscle contraction. So I always know during summer that I need to amp my, my magnesium CalMag up because of, uh, you know, I bike ride, I sweat a lot and so forth, and I don't replenish the magnesium fast enough. And then in the middle of the night, I, you know, turn pushing with a leg and boom, I'm up screaming like a bitch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've got two of them in the house and uh, two dogs, female dogs. And when uh, the kids come home, they whine, they scream. It's like someone's killing them. So that's the whining I'm referring to. Nothing about humans. <laughs> just don't want to get some bad press from... Yeah, I have to clarify. I don't want you guys well, getting just, in just trouble in case on my any, Well, just in case any social justice warriors are out there and want exactly. to find you something to jump feminist listening. He's like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Dr. Gordon. He's like, yeah, yeah, we don't want you trending you on Twitter that? for that, man. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a uh, boxer and a Boston Terrier. They're like humans. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they don't see the kids for a couple of days, and they come home. It's, ah! it's yelping, I think, is what they call it. Yelping. Yeah, yeah. One of mine so, does that. I'm like, dude, it's not that serious. <laughs> it's like, calm down. <laughs> That's right. But their emotional level is different. I've got two cats and two dogs, and they live together and they play all day together. Except uh, I got to have the cats teach the dogs how to go to the litter box and poop there, as opposed to the middle of my <laughs> living room. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding, you know. I have a slip and slide in my downstairs area, you know, too frequently. And believe it or not, the animals are not mine. They're the kids. You know, they went off for school and they just dumped the animals there. You know, so that's crazy. So um, the other thing is pregnenolone, and uh, pregnenolone has been an absolute game changer in our patients or our clients who, you know, are coming to us with uh, anxiety, severe anxiety. And -hmm. the literature, if you go to um, Google Scholar and you put in 
uh, pregnenolone and anxiety, and 6,460 articles come up. Last Friday, there were 6,450. So in just a week's time, 10 more articles have been um, added to the Google Scholar, which is international medical literature, talking about uh, the benefit of pregnenolone with social anxiety. Um, there's also in helping people withdraw from um, benzodiazepines, you know, the Valiums and so forth and so on, without side effects. Um, pregnenolone works in receptors that help to give us calm, GABA-A receptors, to give us, you know, calm and go to sleep and so forth. And uh, general anxiety disorder, social anxiety, I mean, just... It helps with alcohol withdrawal, too. So we've had people who were addicted to narcotics big time, and they were able to stop it. I think if you go back to, you know, if I can, you know, the Joe Rogan 574 with uh, right. Matthew Gosney, who was on 80 milligrams of Oxycontin a day and 240 of um, morphine sulfate for about 14, uh, 18 months. And in six weeks, he's off of it. You know, and then my partner, who was on a whole bunch of 13 different medications and full-blown, you know, alcoholic, it's off right. everything in a short period of time. He's been on your show. So, oh, yeah. anyway, the pregnenolone has an incredible amount of um, documentation. In fact, in one of the last shows that we did uh, with him, I talked uh, about pregnenolone, the importance of it in anxiety. And um, anxiety and depression do have... Um, uh, similar pathways or common pathways, and by uh, fixing it, it's gone. You know, and every month we um, monitor our patients with a 25-point uh, psych and physical assessment document that they fill out. And, it's, you know, it's, pregnenolone works extremely well. Um, increases GABA. Classically, people with low levels of pregnenolone have a lot of anxiety and they don't sleep well. And they get onto the pregnenolone, their sleep is better because one of the side effects of pregnenolone becoming progesterone, becoming allopregnanolone that UCLA has been doing a study on now for 10 years or so, is that it's neuroprotective, neuroregenerative, something they call synaptogenic, which means the nerves talk to each other better, and it mm. increases GABA, and you increase GABA and, um, uh, speak of the devil, Andrew just uh, emailed me. So let me just send this, sorry. Um, yeah, sure. And, you know, the benefits are across the board, and you listen to their stories, man, I'm sleeping now. Or, uh, you know, I had a guy, uh, Tim, who was agoraphobic and had, um, I have seven categories of anxiety. He had probably eight. And uh, within five weeks on his protocol, in, which included pregnenolone DHEA, he was 50% better, and at that point, he started exhibiting symptoms that suggested um, um, bipolar, manic phase. And we did some testing, and we found he was deficient in um, lithium. So we put him on 10 milligrams of lithium um, twice a day by three months. The guy is doing phenomenally well. 18 months later, he's in school doing neuroscience. He wants to learn what it is that I've learned. So he's doing neuroscience back in school, as opposed to having been brought in by his girlfriend because he was agoraphobic, couldn't leave the house. Now hmm. all that stuff is gone. He was just in the office uh, two weeks ago. But uh, this is the benefit of uh, pregnenolone. It's a natural product. comes from Mexican wild yams. Inexpensive products, about $55 for 
six-month, three-month supply, depending upon if you take 60 milligrams. It's anywhere between 50 and 100 milligrams. We get it in 30-milligram capsules, so we usually use two capsules until our producer starts making the 50 and the 100. And don't see any side effects. Yeah, there's an article here and there that talks about pregnenolone possibly causing increase in seizure in people with seizures, uh, DHEA, um, because it stimulates uh, DHT production or becomes DHT and testosterone can increase oiliness of the skin. I uh, don't see it in the guys as much as I see it in the women, so we have to start right. it slower. So it's 25 milligrams Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or you can do 10 milligrams a day. There's some women who need you know 10 milligrams a week, which is great, cost-effective. Uh, but you want to make sure the levels are up there because the benefits on the heart, anti-inflammation, uh, you know, neuroprotection with uh, production of myelin, increases growth on an antidepressant, and you get a cold. You get a cold. You feel smarter or less smart with a cold. Most people say less smart, and that's because of a cytokine that I talked about, inflammatory cytokine called interleukin-6, IL-6. Well, it turns out that DHEAS reduces it so that you can get some benefit on feeling that fogginess and uh, irritability when you're, you know, with a viral infection or a cold. Yeah, yeah, definitely is good to take when you feel a cold coming on, you just amp up your DHEA intake and give yourself a little boost and fight through that faster. Right, and possibly part of that is the fact that it stimulates the immune system through testosterone. Testosterone's been found to be an incredible immune stimulator. It decreases the inflammatory cytokines, like the interleukin-1, the 6, and tumor necrosis factor alpha, and stimulates the uh, anti-inflammatory markers like the interleukin-12, 14, and whatever else is in there. But it also stimulates the CD4 and CD8 cells, the immune cells, for fighting infections and so forth. Also, DHEA can generate a small amount of 7-keto-DHEA. And 7-keto-DHEA has been shown to be immune-boosting and thermogenic. It increases mm -hmm. the burning of um, fats, of lipids in the liver. So you can actually, when you're, someone's trying to mobilize body fat, growth hormone level has to be up, and the um, 7 keto is a good addition. I give it to some uh, patients who have frequent colds because they're in a household with lots of kids, you know, toddlers who are going to school and picking up some bug and bringing it home to mom and dad. Right, right. So... So well, what are, what, are, what, are the, what are the optimal levels you look for with pregnenolone and DHEA? And I believe it's different for men and women, right, in terms of what's the optimal correct. level? Right. I can't give you a number because every lab is different. So I'll give you a right, percentage. Right. Okay. You want the upper 25%. So it means that mm -hmm. if the range is between, you know, zero and 100, you want it 75 and above. And for a female, the same thing. So it doesn't matter, male, female, it's just the philosophy in the upper 25% or the fourth quartile, the highest quartile, okay? Right. And that's basically what we do is we start off bringing everybody to the 50th percentile, the median. You know, the biggest fallacy out there is you've got a hormone level that's between 10 and 90. You come in to the doctor and say, Doc, I've got depression. I'm feeling horrible. I have no energy, nothing whatsoever. I have no libido. I'm suicidal. And 
he says, well, your testosterone is 11, and the normal range is 10 to 90, so testosterone's yeah. not doing it. You're just effing depressed. Take these <laughs> antidepressants. So you take the antidepressants, as, as we see a lot, we've got people coming in on a multitude of um, shifting uh, antidepressants, and they say, you know, Doc, they say, Gordon, Mark, everybody calls me Mark, they say, you know, I've been on these medications, and I'm still depressed. I've been rotating on one, two, three different medications. I'm still depressed. Scott, where in our gland is the Prozac gland? Where's the lamictal <laughs> gland? Where's the whatever gland? Okay, there isn't any. So there must be something else. And what they're finding now is that every one of the, uh, I shouldn't say every one, what they're finding is, as they're going through one by one, they're finding that how these antidepressants work are by simulating the natural chemistry of the brain. So it's substituting in like pregnenolone or allopregnanolone. And this is what they're trying to, that's what they're starting to find. And dopamine, substituting amantadine hydrochloride or wellbutrin as a dopaminergic effect. They're finding that the way that these drugs are really working are by assuming the position of one of the hormones in the brain that's deficient. But they have a lot of side effects. So you're getting a little bit of the benefit by the uh, assumption of a role, and you're getting the side effects from the fact that it isn't a biological product. It's a totally synthetic product. Now, so do you they're take calling... any... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> Let's see how long we can keep this one up. I was just going to ask an important question on terms of... Yeah, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> The relatives of thoughts and prayers for improving all of this stuff. <laughs> I'll just make uh, it a bad prayer? joke based on our previous conversation because you were talking about the importance of intervention and someone said, look, I don't think this protocol is complete because you haven't discussed thoughts and prayers in terms of improving hormone levels. <laughs> well, let me pray on that for a moment. But I, well, I will tell you, pray, honestly, uh, praying is a form of meditation. Meditation right, right, right. drops cortisol. So dropping oh, yeah. the cortisol right. increases testosterone and thyroid. So yeah, it increases DHEA. With that. Meditation has been shown to increase DHEA, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Things like Tai Chi, yoga, and Qigong, that's been in, shown to increase DHEA as well and lower cortisol. My, my only pushback on that would be you know, how long does the increase last, right? Because you get a growth hormone increase after you sprint, but is it long enough to be useful for anything outside of indicating Great. a good workout? Yeah, great, great, great concept that you brought or that you brought to the forefront. One of the things that we fall down on generically is that we think that a hormone has to be constantly elevated. But when you start looking at the process of what elevation of growth hormone does, do you know that when you elevate growth hormone and drop it, that the cellular response to it can last for eight to twelve weeks? I was reading some articles about something like clomiphene citrate, which we use to increase luteinizing hormone. The effect can last for 36 days. Wow. So we're talking about, okay, I'm measuring the blood level of, you know, of clomid, or I'm looking at the luteinizing hormone level, or I'm looking at the testosterone level, but the cellular mechanisms that were set in motion by these hormones, that's what they do. Our hormones are unique in that they go in and they modify or they in, uh, initiate uh, genetic uh, code changes or induce 
not code changes, induction of uh, pathways, genetic pathways. So it turns on making actinomycin, or it increases the retention of sodium and chloride, or it does this and that. And how long does that process work or last is a lot longer than the presence of the chemical or the medication or the drug that induced it, initiated it. And this is a concept that we've totally, you know, ignored appreciating. So, you know, people who go on growth hormone for reason, for documented cause and reason, we cycle them on and off every three months or every uh, three months on and two months off or two and two or one and one or whatever because the beneficial effects last longer than the presence of the hormone in the system. So when you're pulsing, yeah, the three-year study that we did on our veterans was using Clomid in less than 40, and we developed a pulsatile pattern which was the lowest dose, least frequent, and the highest response. we got guys that are taking, you know, in a month, 10 pills, and they've got levels that went from, you know, 200 to over 1,000 on the total, which is worthless. It's the free that's the most important. The free is the gasoline. The total is like crude oil. you got to get through to the crude oil and get the free gasoline at it. Try driving your car with crude oil in it versus gasoline. Ain't going to work with the crude oil. So unfortunately, total testosterone is what the holy grail is in traditional medicine. Oh, your total testosterone is, you know, 281. The bottom's 280. You're 281. Oh, those problems you're having with libido and exercise and energy and depression and you attempted suicide four times, it has nothing to do with it. Right. There are actually 183,000, was it 183 this morning? 183,000 articles on testosterone and depression. So Now, now with Clomid, does it increase pregnenolone and DHEA as well? As testosterone no. Or just testosterone? No, it's a great question. It only increases luteinizing hormone. Right, right. And luteinizing hormone causes cholesterol to be converted to pregnenolone, and after that... So all the cascades are filled. Well, that's why you I'm curious, pump. right? Because it yeah. increases luteinizing hormones. So you would think it would, it would increase pregnenolone and DHA as well. Everything. But maybe just... Right. Everything. So if Clomid increases luteinizing hormone, why doesn't it increase pregnenolone and DHA as well as testosterone? It does. Okay, it does. Because it has to it go. Th- okay. No, no, it does. Sorry. It does. Okay. My misspeak of no, no, my... my... Yeah, it does. It increases because luteinizing hormone is the key factor. In a study that was looking at the brain, the astrocytes, you know, is where it gets stimulated. Astrocytes and the glial cells in the glial cell population is what gets turned on by luteinizing hormone to produce pregnenolone, testosterone, DHEA, DHT. Everything is induced by luteinizing hormone, which is the rate-limiting hormone to start the whole process. Hmm. Everything is predicated. Email me. I'll send you the article. It's a beautiful oh, read. Yeah, now, how, now, how come people report a drop in libido when taking Clomid? Have you found that with any of your patients? I have a couple of people who are, who do respond that way. And what you see is an incredible spectrum of how people respond. The majority of our population respond with a positive effect. I do have a couple of people transiently who um, develop a drop in libido because the way um, clomiphene works is it blocks estrogen receptors. Right, and right. the blocking of estrogen receptors, it's a SIRMS, selective estrogen receptor blocking yep. agent, 
And what happens is it fakes your brain into thinking there's no estrogen, so it kicks out more luteinizing hormone to increase right. the production of estrogen. Right. That's how it works. So in people who are really sensitive to that, that response, we'll have blocking of estrogen. And as we know from our colleague, Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler, from a Harvard urologist, who wrote the book Testosterone for Life that your people might like to read to see that oh, yeah. prostate cancer is, yeah, it's a great book. So what he found was that, number one, is that in order for males to have great libido, we need estradiol and testosterone. So if oh, yeah. you're just churning out their testosterone and no estradiol, your libido is going to be affected. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I've had people Absolutely. who take too much of my estrogen modulator, EC. If people take too much of a dose, this has happened to myself as well. If I take too much, you notice that your mood and your sex drive plummet. Then you just have to get uh, off it for a while and do a lower dose or not take it at all. Yeah. Well, the patients that I put on your product, the only thing we got was lowering an estrogen. And, you know, I don't see it very often because we control the amount of testosterone that's in the body. We control the amount of uh, luteinizing hormone and its effect. And by monitoring, we can make course changes. So a couple of people that um, had a problem, we put them on your EC, and I think I wrote you and said, boom, oh, yeah. their yeah. levels dropped very nicely. Thank you again. Oh, no, so, my pleasure. It was great to see that feedback. And what's really impressive about that is these are people that are on TRT with very high estrogen levels. The estradiol was really high, and EC cut their estradiol levels in half, I think mm -hmm. even more so than in half in both cases. So that was really nice right. to see. Well, it works. So, um, you know, it's all about mo uh, monitoring, and that's one of the areas that um, people fall down oh, in. If one, you're one going more thing to about one more thing about Clomid real quick, just for, before I forget, mm -hmm. is people often misunderstand it because they hear selective estrogen receptor modulator and they think, okay, great, this is a good product to take for lowering estrogen levels, but nope. lower estrogen levels in the brain, but yep. it's not going to lower your estradiol and estrone levels in the blood, right? Well, correct. I don't, I don't see that, but I see a proportionate increase in the estradiol with the free testosterone, and what we have the patients on is zinc citrate, because zinc citrate, as I said earlier, I've never used Arimidex, uh, is a natural aromatase inhibitor. It competes at the magnesium molecule in the chemical reaction of uh, estradiol synthetase, which is the Arimidex, and it downregulates the ability of that enzyme to work by competing with the magnesium at the as the cofactor in the process. Right. So that's how it works, and so, I mean, it works Clomid, pretty well. So Clomid can increase your estrogen levels, right? It's not going to because of what you just said. So would it make sense for someone taking Clomid to also take something such as EC if needed, if they're having that aromatization or is zinc yeah. just enough? Yeah. And when you pulse the patients, we don't have anyone taking daily or, uh, you know, large volumes of it. It's pulsed, uh, right, rotating right. day schedule. We don't see that happening. If we put them onto a daily, we see that more so. And then we have that unique individual, uh, I've had two cases of gynecomastia from uh, using Clomid, and when oh. I went back in their history, they failed to tell me that when they were 14 to 16 years of age, they had gynecomastia. 
Wow. And it seems a consistency. Every one these two guys, every one, two people who had a history of gynecomastia when they were young, that when they were put on Clomid, boom. So now I ask people, do you have any gynecomastia? They think because they were 14 and now they're 45 or whatever, that it doesn't play a role. But I've learned it does play a role. Uh, the things about floaters in the eyes, uh, don't see it. Right, One of the right. sites. Yeah. yeah, the Octus. I don't see it. And let me tell you, we have people on it for five years. We have five, four hundred people on it for between um, a month and five years. Another reason why we use the uh, Clomid is because there's a, a article, a group of articles out talking about its use in refractory migraines or hmm. cluster headaches. So I get a lot of military that have, because of blast trauma, they've got chronic inflammation in the brain, and migraine, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is an inflammatory process. And what happens is their um, migraines disappear. One of the guys that we um, had had a headache every single day and then superimposed on top of his headache were three migraines a day, three to four days a week. At three months of treatment, he acknowledged the fact that he might have a headache a week. And that was my one of my first cases after reading this article on cluster headaches or the use of clomiphene citrate for cluster headaches or treatment-resistant migraine headaches. And, you know, you don't know if it's going to work unless you try it. So I tend to be the experimenter. What, what's a what's a good starting dose? The twenty five milligrams twice a week? No, nope. Uh, if it's the only treatment you're doing, what we did, uh, and I presented this study now three times to three different military uh, groups, it's fifty milligrams every third day. Fifteen or fifty? Fifty five zero. Okay. 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 Every five third zero. day. Okay. Every third day. And you monitor them. You have to monitor them with their testosterone estrogen level and luteinizing hormone. The luteinizing hormone gives you the understanding of how well they respond. And we always do the blood work on the morning that they should take their Clomid, but they hold off taking it until the blood's drawn and then they take their Clomid. That's called the trough. That's the Mm -hmm. trough. That's the lowest level. That gives us what the worst scenario is relative to their their use and the timing. We've got about eight people right now, seven, eight people, who take a 50 milligram once a week. These are guys 36 years of age and younger who take one pill a week and they get levels like some of the guys that are taking it three times a week. They just have this sensitive reactive system. And I've got one guy who's on 25 milligrams a week. That's it. And the only way you're going to know is if you do the testing. Yes, it might be a little expensive, but what you get is an understanding of the biophysiology of the individual, and you don't you know, dump them or lump them into one group where everybody should respond that way. That's right. traditional medicine. Oh, everybody gets this amount, but I'm not that person. <laughs> So, I mean, the blood work is pretty frequent in the beginning then until you have it fine-tuned and yeah. then it's a little bit more it spread out. It takes us about 
two to three blood tests. So we have initial okay. one, and then three months later, then three months later, then six months later, and then okay, everything is months. beautiful. Not over, you're not doing a blood test on Monday and then another one on Friday, for example. No, 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 no. Three months. Okay, that's good. Yeah, enough. because what we also do is we have a, um, a monthly program questionnaire, sometimes based upon uh, verbal you know, perception, self-assessment, that it can right. give me some understanding of what's going on and I can adjust certain things. You know, I've been doing this for 30-some-odd years. So, oh, yeah. yeah, 24 in endocrinology, 15 in neuroendocrinology, but medicine for 30-some-odd years. Long time. Anyway. Is, is, um, Clomid, is Clomid the first thing you look at as opposed to TRT as options? And then if Clomid doesn't work, go the TRT route? That's exactly right. What I do on every person is I want to see how well their body will respond to clomiphene. It's inexpensive, no needle. It's a RX medication. It's not a class three medication. Also, you know, I was on injectable testosterone for 17 years. And after the oh. first year of the study we did on, um, on veterans and uh, clomiphene, it was so great that uh, I got my doc to, to get me some. And that's what I've been on since January 2015. Oh, right. Do you, yeah. do you mind sharing your level from taking Clomid, or you want to keep that private, your testosterone level? Um, my testosterone level is right below horny dog. <laughs> well, maybe that's why Delgado refers to you as a stallion. I was well, about to say, it's slightly be. below Delgado. Don't pick on Delgado. Nick. <laughs> yeah. Nick does his best, you know. He's in the book of records for what, uh, handstand push-ups or pull-ups? No, or... no, no. Not, not handstand well, push-ups. But... What was he in? <laughs> the vert- he the in dumbbell some... lifts, right? Clean and press. Dumbbell. Not oh, clean and press. Curl, curl and press, yeah. No, he's he's super. Delgado is super impressive, especially at his age. Yep. I mean, to me, he represents exactly what you want in an anti-aging program. His personal result. Yep. Absolutely. So I try to keep my levels. There's no real number, and this is what we have to change. Oh, I'm going for 1,641 right, right, right. on my total. I'm going for 37 on my free <laughs> testosterone. No. That's Billy's level, who's six foot nine and three hundred fifty pounds as frontline man for you know for whatever game he plays. Right, right, right. Every individual it's a needs bit too to much be guy talk, right? Like three guys get together and everyone starts talking about what their income is, and everybody wants to one up yeah. each other. It's so similar. Yeah, exactly. A similar situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A similar situation happens with testosterone levels. Some guy goes, man, I'm at 600. I feel great. And then his friend goes, oh, I'm at 800. Oh, shit. I should be at 800, too. Like you just said, you feel great. (laughs) Uh, The total testosterone is worthless. So, you know, I I do the lab test on everyone for the total. It gives me some understanding of uh, what not to fall into what not to buy into in traditional. It's the free testosterone. So I try to keep my free testosterone between 12 and 14 on our lab, which is the mm-hmm. median. So whatever your right, lab right. has at the low end and the high end, you add it together, divide it by two, and that's the statistical median or the median of the range. So that's what I go for, the median. And I can I do very well below the median. So for my right, body, right. doesn't need it. You know, it's like yeah. the guy who goes out and smokes, you know, gets some good uh, 
what is it, Vancouver Bud, and he takes six <laughs> hits on it, and he feels a, bu- a buzz on it. Someone who's a novice goes in, takes, just smells the fumes from it, and he gets wasted. <laughs> you know, everybody's body is different. Right. So you have to respect that, and unfortunately, we don't. We've ignored that. We've forgotten the science and the art that goes into practicing medicine. I don't treat numbers. I treat people. The numbers right. are just guidelines to give me an understanding of the individual. That's it. You know, right. Some of the basic stuff you've heard from me spew off in the past. I haven't changed my, my uh, music. Yeah. I should. Yeah. <laughs> Still listen to Al Miola. <laughs> What about Cialis as a Cialis has some research as a very mild testosterone booster, I think six percent increase, and then but but more importantly, a estrogen lowering agent lowers estrogen by about twelve percent. Is yeah. that something Honestly, useful? Uh, I haven't. I to get a good erection, that's great. But in terms of for testosterone, that's why you're on testosterone. That's, that's, that's the obvious. That's the obvious real benefit. Let's not kid ourselves here. I'm just curious right. if that maybe it has. Maybe you go. Okay, look. You know what? You have ED and you have some estrogen issues. So why not put you on this and we just take care take care of two problems with one with one drug or one agent. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's if it is of that magnitude, you know, it's, it's a nice bump up for free, so to speak, considering the tablets are 50 bucks each or something. <laughs> I used to, I yeah, used to buy true. that like uh, $7 a tablet and hand it out to my uh, patients as party favorites, you know. They well, never invite you, me to heard, their party, though. I already used to buy it like candy and go south of the border for the weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, but now the prices are just stupid. Absolutely <laughs> stupid. Of course, so, if you get um, across the border, if you get across the border now, you might not be able to get back. So that's another unlevel of uncertainty. Uh, which border? Canada? CanadaPharmacy.com? Both. Or both? Both. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nowadays, sure. Trudeau doesn't like us, does he? Yeah, you may not be able to get there. And then, if you do get there, you may not be able to get back. I'm American. No, 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 no. You're coming in from Canada. You're Canadian now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, just backtracking so, a little bit with, with pregnant alone. What's the, yep. what's the, I mean, obviously this is going to be based on each individual, but is there a mm-hmm. baseline starting dose that makes sense? 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams? Uh, yeah, you can start with, um, you know, if you just want to go by the seat of your pants, uh, probably 50 milligrams if you have anxiety. Uh, everything uh-huh. we do here is based upon blood work as a starting point, so we understand how the dosing influences their response in the blood. Right, right. Because some people are phenomenally uh, phenomenal absorbers, and other people are horrible. And the ones that are horrible, it tells us that they have, you know, dysbiosis, and that ends up being a new patient for my daughter Allison. You know, right. she's a naturopath right. and does gut brain. So that's what we look for, you know, anything, because it'll impede, alter the rate of absorption and the quality of absorption so that people will be on stuff and say, hey, doc, this stuff ain't working for me. You do the blood levels, you see how horrible it is, and you say, oh, maybe you've got something going on in the stomach. Right, And that's right. what it ends up being. Good. Well, that that's a, a really good point because a lot of people who take supplements or they take hormones, at least oral intake of hormones, and they don't notice a benefit at all, it could be because their gut health is so poor, they're not absorbing mm-hmm. anything that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. 
So, you know, what we do in our assessment, it's a 21-page assessment that includes things, you know, like gut and history of gut, and because it does play such an intense or important regulatory role on how well they respond to the products we give them. Right, right. So Now, with pregnenolone and DHEA, you're looking for a level in the upper quarter? Correct. And you, what you do is you look at the uh, symptoms that they have. If there's, right, right. Um, you know, we do a questionnaire that has seven different types of um, anxiety, and therefore the ones with the greatest amount, we start higher, and as they improve, uh, we might cut it back. A lot of yeah. times they say, look at I'm doing so, so well on this. Why would I want to cut it back? I said, okay. Let's I not think a lot of people back. use flawed language when they talk about blood work. They go, oh, you're in the normal range. He goes, no, you're in the statistical range because that's uh, what it is. He's saying it's, it's a, even this worse. Is, this is the statistical range of people that have gotten their blood work done. Well, it's in the reference range, which is based upon a small population of people who joined in to donate their blood to find out at that age, whatever age it is, what the range is. Now, okay. that's such a flawed the thing. There was, yeah. yeah, there were two biostatisticians who, in uh, 1975, wrote these two huge volumes of biostatistics, basically stating that. The reference ranges that used to be called normal reference ranges that were then stated to be the reference ranges uh, were based on people who don't represent me, don't represent you. And what they actually right, recommended right. is that you build your own reference range. And well, how do you know you're in a good range? Well, how do you feel? You feel shitty, you know that there's something off, and you look at the levels, and right. you go for the median. I mean, that's what we do on our patients is slowly bring them up from where they're at to the median. And if as we're moving them up from, let's say, that hypothetical 15 that I talked about earlier, they go from 15 to 17 to 20 to 25 to 30. At some point on that movement upwards, they say, Doc, I'm feeling really good now. We'll hold. We'll hold there. And if they continue to feel good, we found what they need to be at. That's their normal that's their normal functioning range, normal sensation range, and that becomes their range. I don't give them, you know, Susie's, Susie's range or Bill's range for, you know, Jim. Yeah. Jim has to establish his own, and that's how we do it. So it's, it's a little more intense, but we get such a wonderful response that's consistent. So these guys stop everything for a year, two years, or whatever they want to, and then they come back, and what we do is just restart them on what they were on last time. We don't do a repeat lab test until three months down the road to confirm that they're at where they were when they felt the best. Right. Now, with, with, when, you dose, with when you take a dosage, would it make sense to take pregnenolone before bedtime because it helps with GABA and sleep quality? Or does it not yep, matter? That's, no, no, no. I instruct them to take 30 minutes to 60 minutes before they go to sleep. And okay. if you take a little melatonin, I, my cocktail is uh, 30 milligrams of pregnenolone and one milligram of melatonin. I'm super sensitive to almost everything. So yeah. melatonin, one milligram. If I just take melatonin, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll feel good. If I take one and a half, I'll wake up groggy. If I take two yeah. or the three that they suggest, I'll wake right. up 11 o'clock instead of 5.30. Yeah. yeah. And you have to find out what's, 
What's for you? And the benefit of melatonin is it increases growth hormone, drops inflammation, and has anti-cancer benefits. Whether or not the anti-cancer benefits are directly related to the anti-free radical issue is for debate. You've heard the name Russell Ryder? No, no, I haven't. I was going to say, isn't it the only antioxidant that passes the blood-brain barrier, melatonin? Mm, Yeah, melatonin does. Uh, Antioxidant, let's see, glutathione, N-acylcysteine. It's a good Mm -hmm. question. I'll have to go and check and see about the uh, BBB, the blood-brain barrier, and NAC versus glutathione. Yeah, alcohol does, uh, aspirin does, um, let's see, interleukin-6. Free testosterone is passively absorbed. DHT Mm -hmm. is actively absorbed. Uh, DHT is, you know, can't get in. That's why, yeah. you know, you get the guys who get, um, uh, what do they call it politely? They get uh, decadic because, uh, <laughs> you know, right. it shuts off testosterone and can't get in. DHT, congener, can't get into right. the brain. So Trembulin, right. Trembulone, Anavar, Winstrol, blah, 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 Deca, Durabilin, all those things. Yeah. yeah, those are harsh. Those are harsh anabolics to take. Yeah. But if you know how to use them, you know, like who's that guy that uh, Lou Allen? Mm-hmm. You know, Lou oh, you Allen. Mean you talking? You not okay? I don't. I, I was, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know who Lou Allen. Yeah, is. the I guy who you, writes I that. You might be talking that, about Louis Simmons. Uh, no, the guy who writes that uh, book on anabolic steroids. He's not a doctor. He's not a PhD, but he writes incredible articles based on science. Uh, okay, book. I haven't heard about him. You, you know, you haven't. Uh, no, Lou no, Allen, I think. You should it. look at it. Lou Allen, yeah, you, he's all over Amazon. Yeah. Someone gave me a gift of it when they, you know, coming to me, uh, asking my opinion about different anabolic steroids. I said, that's not what I do. <laughs> right. He gave it to me, and it was interesting reading, though. I mean, they've got it down to a science, you know, that parallel science. And there, are, I did meet one uh, orthopedic surgeon up in San Francisco years ago who used to give DECA, uh, and Anavar to his post-surgical patients who had like hip replacement because it helped regenerate muscle. And Anavar yeah. is very, very safe in women, pregnant women. This, I mean, very safe product. Well, if a used lot of correctly, a lot of fitness female fitness competitors take Anavar because it allows them to keep their strength high and their body becomes really hardened while they're in a hmm. when they're when they're in an intense dieting phase. Really. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that's well, one of the worst kept not, secrets in that industry is the heads. A lot of the fitness competitors, a lot, of, a lot of times they take it before a photo shoot for the reasons I just said as well. And it responds that fast? They respond? Well, I mean, I don't they mean respond. right before. I don't mean right yeah. before a photo shoot. Got I it. mean, maybe in the six weeks of training before a photo shoot, for example. Gotcha. Okay. Live and learn. New tidbits. <laughs> Live and learn. That's why so, a lot of people, and then when they, well, I, I won't go in that segue. I was just about to talk about it. Let me reel that back in. Also, also with, with one thing, though, with, with alcohol passing the blood-brain barrier, that's really interesting. Because on a side note there, have you noticed that every drunk woman is the same person? <laughs> I haven't noticed possessed, that. They're all possessed by, well, pay attention next time. They're all possessed by the same demon that, the, I call it the alcohol demon, right? You drink too much, you're not yourself anymore, you've been possessed. It's kind of an exorcist type situation. And, and every drunk woman is categorically the same, has the same annoying tendency. 
right? So my theory is that they're being possessed by the same alcohol demon. It's the exact same demon, you know, gotcha. which is why they all the same person. Anyway, it hasn't been it hasn't been confirmed by double blind studies yet, but um, I'm sure that research. <laughs> yeah, you're going to start that next, huh? Well, I don't think a study needs to be done, right? Well, we don't need to do a study where 20 guys volunteer to be kicked in the nuts. You know that hurts. So just like we don't need that <laughs> in, in Las, anyone who comes to Las Vegas, the study is right in front of us. Just take notes next time you're walking around here on a Friday night. Yeah. So. Um, okay, did, did I just make a stallion comment? <laughs> because that, that was the same response you gave Delgado when. <laughs> well, look at I, there well, are well, Mark, you're a real stallion. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, there there is there are things that I can't refute and I can't add to. So I go, okay, you know, <laughs> I can't respond to everything. Hey, you're you thinking know? about it. Give me something to think about. I was about thinking about. Right. right. Well, I was ruminating. Right now, he's trying to put them together. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, you got to give me multiple choice on those, you know. <laughs> a, B, or C. Which would you like? Yeah. That's good. You're not. You're not. You're not letting anyone set you up. I like it. <laughs> I try not. You now, know, with DHEA and pregnenolone, is what's the what's the best option for supplementation? Trochies or creams useful? What What's mm. your preference? Mm. I use um, uh, ca- encapsulated products with no incipient, no junk in it. Uh, okay. So there's no gluten. It's, it's in a vegetarian. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's high quality, but you know the 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 DHEA is for six months supply of 25 milligrams. You take one a night is 35 dollars. The pregnenolone, right. if you only take one 30 milligram a night, is 55 dollars. There's no incipient, no gluten in it, no bullshit in it. It's just pure product. That's it. And this is a several. This is a several months. You're talking about several months, right? Not 55 dollars a month. No, fifty-five dollars for six months supply. Right, thirty-five dollars for really six months supply. Yeah, it's inexpensive. And DHEA you also take before you go to sleep. That was the other thing I forgot to ask. So yeah, pregnant. and the reason, yeah, okay. the reason, the reason for taking DHEA at night is because the literature shows a twenty percent increase in growth hormone production from DHEA. So understanding nice. that growth hormone is produced, the major bulk of it is produced from eight at night. The four in the morning. So you go to bed at, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12 at night. You're getting the midpoint, so you're adding to it. And it takes about 90 minutes for it to get into the system to the brain. Maybe 90 minutes to get into the brain. So um, you want to uh, embellish the response uh, during the night. And yeah. we see, uh, we did a study years ago where just in people who are growth hormone deficient, we put on to our protocol no no um let's see no growth hormone, nothing to stimulate directly growth hormone, not like a secretagogue like our products or injectable or uh one of the uh the what is it called the amino acid things the r p s g's and all that stuff and we found mm-hmm. a twenty to fifty percent increase in their baseline growth hormone just by the pregnenolone, alone the uh d h a a good mineral uh, product with vitamins in it, uh, methylated vitamins. Um, What else was there? Uh, Cognitive amino, which is um, uh, phosphatidylserine and so forth. Things PS100, phosphatidylserine. We found a 20 to 50% increase in the level. Yes. You know, growth hormone, which is a freebie. And some people, a 50% increase takes them from, you know, under 200 to over 200. 
or oh, yeah. under 100 to, you know, over 100, closer right. to 200. Right. So that's what, what, uh, what, what, you what about, is there any, is there any benefits of taking it first thing in the morning before you go to sleep, just pulsing it throughout the day or is the whole, the entire the DHEA? bedtime? Oh, both, preg, the D- pregnenolone and preg- DHEA. D- well, the reason why you want pregnenolone at night is because you want the neuroprotection and you want the increase in GABA. So that's the rationale for nighttime. The reason okay. for the DHEA is for the growth hormone benefits. You right. know, the growth hormone that's produced from, you know, four until eight o'clock, four in the morning to eight o'clock in the night is there are pulses that uh, in some people uh, that are strong until late morning. And we, we have people, the majority of our people, when we measure their growth hormone level, they're at less than 0.1, the majority of it. And that's because yeah. they drop off during the night. But you look at the IGF-1 and the binding protein 3, uh, binding protein 3, which has also anti-cancer effects based upon study out of Melbourne, the Melbourne Collaborative Study, shows the benefit in uh, reducing ca- cancer occurrence that um, because of the half-life of the binding protein 3 being 20 to 24 hours, that it's the most reliable marker of how well you produce growth hormone at night. Because when you you know do someone's blood draw at 9 o'clock in the morning, you're already seeing past the time frame that growth hormone is being made. IGF-1, which is the active form, has a 8 to 10-minute half-life unless it's bound to growth of binding protein 3. And binding protein 3, you know, has a 20 to 24-hour half-life, but you have to ask the patient if they're on quercetin, estradiol, or um, uh, vitamin A, uh, cis-retinoic acid, because they can artificially increase the binding protein 3 level. Yeah. So... That's, you know, some of the benefits. Uh, As people are listening, they need to really take into account that there's several layers of complexity with all this. So this is not something where you want to hear this episode and make a run to the vitamin shop and just start loading up on everything without knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Right. But uh, quercetin uh, is a great product. Uh, Quercetin is a um, polyphenol. And what it does, it's known as an anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, but one of the things that is not, um, you know, very well dispersed is the fact that it increases binding protein 3 by stimulating the liver. And so right. when we have patients who have low levels of binding protein 3, uh, we'll increase it, um, you know, through whatever way we can. And if it doesn't work, then we'll add the quercetin. Also in our sports people that we can't treat with a traditional TRT because it's against their sure. league or whatever. Uh, we right. use quercetin and PQQ and anything that'll increase ribose, uh, that'll yeah. increase the production of, of um, ATP, increased right. mitochondria. They found right. also that quercetin will increase mitochondria within a week. Within one week of taking 500 milligrams twice a day, you can get an increase in mitochondria. If you increase mitochondria, then you can make more proportionally more ATP to run all our bodily systems. You get clear in the brain. Yeah, yeah you've had you've so, had a bunch of UFC fighters come to you recently, right? I heard Kat Singano came to you for some yeah, consulting. Well, I, I can't tell you anyone specifically. All I'll say is that we get people coming in from an entire array of sports from jujitsu to um to uh broad jumping to uh um boxing and MMA and so forth and so on and 
football, basketball, and what have you, baseball. And, right. you know, I follow all the guidelines. I follow the IOC, the International Olympic Committee guidelines on what is allowed and what isn't, because I don't want to, you know, you remember what happened in 2007, 8, and 9, where all these docks were being nailed because they were doing their job and giving to ball players who were active products that, to help them in their deficiency. And right. uh, it was against the, you know, against their league rules and regulations. The yeah. doctors were getting in trouble because they were doing that. Well, that's not my job, but I yeah. do monitor it because I don't want to get into any you know, situation. Oh, you caused me to lose. Tw- How about that doctor that uh, there was a football player, player last year that lost like, or the early, yeah, it was last year, lost like mm-hmm. 17 weeks of pay because he was given something by his doctor that was banned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember okay. specifically. That, 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 you know, that's not even an isolated incident. That kind of stuff happens pretty often. Happens a lot. Yeah. Let's see, who just you moved have... into my area? Uh, Todd Gurley just moved into where I live. Football. Ne- I don't next watch door to you? Uh, no, two houses down, three houses down. Okay. So I'll have to ask yeah. him what the new rules are. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the UFC is under USADA testing, which is pretty stringent. So yep. that's you definitely can't do any of the hormone protocols, not even DHEA yep. or pregnenolone or any of that stuff with those people. Yeah, yeah I had someone who came to me uh, from that organization, uh, actually one of the fighters, and wanted to be uh, assessed and then treated. And then treatment was very clear from head traumas, from whatever, uh, oh, yeah. precipitated uh, a pattern that rec- that pattern that suggests brain trauma. So what happened was, um, you know, they wanted me to go in front of a board. They wanted me to write all these documents. That's not what I do. You know, I see, you know, people who are injured and depressed and suicidal from the, from uh, veterans and the military and car accidents and so forth. But that was a crazy situation. Yeah. So, all right, guys, I've got, uh, this patient is waiting for me. Okay. If there's any last questions, I'll make him uh, wait a little bit longer. No, we don't want to hold your day no. out there. So thanks again no, for all the not time. Not a problem. Appreciate it. Hey, it's, yeah, I love being input. with you guys. Uh, you give me an opportunity to share with your audience some of the the fringe cutting edge or the stuff that's been around for a long time, but just no one's talking about it, and it influences our quality of health, our abilities, and that's really what life's about. How do we stay you know, functional mentally, physically longer is by making sure everything is just in place. And, right. you know, right. I tell people you can't treat your car, your body like a car with three flat tires and only filling up one. You need to always assess the yeah. body with the four key hormones plus the fifth, which is vitamin D. Vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a hormone. It manipulates our genetic code. So it's about keeping everything in balance, stable. Right. That's a good analogy, actually, because a lot of people have four flat tires, and just fixing one is really not yeah. going to be that beneficial. You have to get all of them fixed. Correct. Oh, I'm just going to overdose on testosterone. No, I'm going to take a shitload of growth hormone. Well, I'm going to take growth hormone and uh, testosterone. That's the two front tires. Try driving the car that way. You need your DHEA, pregnenolone, and all that other stuff. Right, right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. All right, guys. Great information. You'll send me, you'll send me your address so that I can send you some uh, CME.
Yes. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, guys. Be well. Take care, everyone. Stay strong. Kick ass. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And you can learn more about Dr. Gordon at warriorangels.com. He has another website as well, but he has a profile page on there, and that's, that's a cause that he's very passionate about. So one way to support all the time Dr. Gordon gives us with all this incredible information is to go to warriorangels.com and make a donation. As a matter of fact, that link is always in the show notes. All right, exactly. So, exactly. We're strong right, supporters. Project of Child Save. Those are the two organizations that it's a guarantee those are going to be in the show notes. So they're going to always be there for you guys to click on. Yeah. I mean, he gives a very high percentage of his income to Warrior Angels personally. Yeah. So they're doing a lot cool. of good things, though, man. You know, all my yeah. veteran friends, you know, I always refer to them to Dr. Gordon, you know, just some of the things they're going through and going beyond just the typical diagnoses that they get from their typical doctors and whatnot. I was like, okay, sometimes it helps to really get a second opinion and especially someone that's well-versed in what you're dealing with and not just this overgeneralization that you get from a lot of these physicians or though, right. or also physicians who are pretty much bound by whatever the military tells them, yeah, well, no, we're not going to sanction that. Or you can't tell yeah. them that. You can't do this, that, right. or the other. So, <clears throat> you know, once they can get away from that umbrella, you know, it's like they kind of like, okay, what do I do now? Or they keep going to the same people and getting the same treatment and still still feel the same stuff. So I was like, you know, I always refer to Dr. Gordon and say, man, really just, just read up on him. Don't just take my word for it because I haven't been treated by him. But the information he's given us over the years, man, and just just the testimony from Andrew and all these other, uh-huh. you know, vets that and athletes that, that he's dealt with, I said that right there should at least pique your interest and let you delve a little deeper, especially when you start realizing that it's not just you, dude. It's, it's other people, and you'll start seeing like, oh, okay. And I think that's where the difference really comes in when you start. We've talked about this with Dr. Gordon and Andrew before. Yeah. That's the real difference that happens with a lot of the, you know these vets that are coming in because a lot of everyday citizens, you know, and civilians or whatever, they're dealing with things, and a lot of times these guys don't relate to them, and they just like, right. well, you don't understand because they've gone through some different things, even though they're getting some of the same issues. But at the same time, it becomes this thing where you want to have someone that relates to what you're going through. And so yeah. and this is like, like I said, and what Dr. Gordon and Andrew, what those guys are doing with Warrior Angels, I think that's very beneficial to, like I said, to veterans and people who are still active duty, as well as athletes who are in these high-impact sports and things like that. You know, when you're just talking to some average, you know, soccer dad, you know, he's trying to say, oh, yeah, I go through that too. And, he, you know, these vets are looking like, uh... <laughs> it's like we're really not relating that well, bro. It's like, okay, we're yeah. different here. So yeah. it's kind of like the guy that just goes to the YMCA and does all the machine stuff. And then there's this other guy who's doing hardcore. Hell, I even throw it out there. I even say like CrossFit. It's like it's kind of it's kind of different for those two guys to talk to each other. They're not really going to sure. relate with each other other than the fact that they're exercising. Uh, that's right. <laughs> kind of yeah. thought, you know. Yeah. Superficially, they're both going to the gym, but what they're doing there is dramatically different. Way different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I think a, a, a good summary to take from this episode for people to realize is that the chances that you have optimal levels of everything that Dr. Gordon mentioned, just living your life, is you're you're more likely to go win the lottery than the, than to be just happen to be someone who has optimal levels of everything, and you don't get right. tested, and then you have to get on a protocol and try different things out. The the average person is nowhere close to being optimal. And those of us who spend a lot of time on this stuff improve as well. Yeah, still up so, I mean, and down. I spend so much time trying to. Yeah, exactly. I spend so much time time trying to optimize my profile because 
I, I, I'm very prone to depression if I don't keep things in check. So I can only imagine the average person that doesn't do anything. You know, they're not eating properly. They're not training. They're definitely not looking well, at they hormones. they have no clue what to feel, you know, because they haven't been tested yeah. and they haven't done this enough to know. Like, I can tell when certain things are off. And if I get tested, I'm like, yep, I knew my, D- my, I knew my DHEA was low, you know, because yeah. I've done it enough yeah. to realize, yeah. Or, you know, I'm so like, oh, oh yeah. man, I'm feeling I'm feeling down, man. Like, you know, what's going on with my cortisol levels? And why is my sleep like this? Why am I right, so amped right. up at night? You know, and, and whereas other people are just like, oh, man, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, you know, stay up late and grind it out with everybody else to sleep. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Right. <laughs> but drawing, like, drawing you, the you wrong conclusions. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. People are coming up with the wrong conclusions for why they feel certain ways. They think, oh, you know, there's right. so much going on in the world, blah, 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 blah. You know what? There is a lot of stuff going on in the world. There always has been a lot of stuff going on in right. the world. Have you always been depressed since the day you were born? There were things going on in the world when you were born. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so when your hormones like are optimal, <laughs> yeah, when your hormones are optimal, all those things are still going on in the world. But your personal sure. happiness is independent of that because you're in an optimal state. You're still going to feel good and you're going to be more inclined to do something about many of the issues you exactly. see going on. How do you how do you deal with those external, you know, <laughs> issues that are going on because they are, you know, external. So how do you internalize those things? And how have you right. internalized issues before since day one? Yeah. We've all had yeah. issues, man. Nobody's lived a perfect life. You know, it's all about like right. how you approach that. So when right. it gets to the point where if you just sit there and you see, you know, you're watching This Is Us and you're just bawling, you know, for for no reason <laughs> at all. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and, you know, or if you look at This Is Us, like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, I kind of, I can relate to that. I d- deal with the same thing. And, you know, it might be sad for a minute when you reflect on it, but, you know, like, hey, but on a side note, here I am. I made it through that, just like these characters or whatever else. So, you know, it kind of just really depends where you are, you know, and what's going on internally, man, because, you know, you have no control of outside forces. That's what people need to really understand. Even shit, man, just stop watching the news and all these shows or whatever else if it's affecting you like that. And just ask yourself, like, right. OK, why is it affecting me so bad? I, trust me, I can watch CNN, Fox, whatever else, watch the news. And I'm not affected the same way like my wife may be affected. Because right, right. I pretty much know, like, look, man, crap has been going on for a long freaking time, since the beginning of time. You know, even when you look yeah. at the, all the political issues, you know, children being separated from their families and blah, blah, I'm like, look, man, that's been going on forever. Come right. on, you it's get arrested and you've got kids. Guess what? They're taking yeah, your kids exactly. from you and you're being exactly. separated from them when you, when you, when you break the law. You right. know, so it's just like, right. you know, but everybody's up in arms over it. It's like, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, there's this law thing going on over here, you know, in the United States. It's just it happens to U.S. citizens. Yeah, it happens to U.S. citizens every day. Exactly. Somebody, he's not the first president to do it. <laughs> so just like, but you know, you let that stuff affect you and play on your feelings. You got to ask yourself, like, why is this like affecting me like that? You know, you got to ask yourself, man. So you got to be very calibrated. I always say to people, if you're going to watch stuff like you're going to watch the news or whatever, you want to also you got to be very calibrated and understand what you're watching. You know, you right. got to learn how to sit right. crap when you're just like, OK, here's the actual news and here's the actual propaganda. You know, here's right. the thing. They're really trying to get a reaction out of me and really get me, you know, up in arms and, get, you know, make it very divisive. Or this is like, OK, here's some, here's some things I could actually do something about instead of just tweeting about it. You know, right. tweeting is, I mean, whatever. Like how many, but how many people do you convince with your tweets compared to <laughs> with your actions? Getting out there and exactly. pounding the pavement, getting out and getting the word out there and going helping those in need and things like that. You know, that's a lot more effective, man. Well, that, that's a good a point. And it's also a good point to realize that whenever you see someone post something on Twitter that let's say you find highly offensive, 
you have to take into account the fact that how influential is this person posting it? Right. Probably not at all. So who cares? <laughs> you know, it's not even right. worth getting. Not even worth it getting flustered over. This person's got 27 followers. He doesn't have an actual picture, you know, for his profile picture. And you know, he's posting something. It's like, and why is this guy? Why are you letting this person control your emotions? And that's another thing. I have control issues. Meaning, I have an issue with giving people control of my my emotions. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm very right. stingy when it comes to that. I'm very protective of that. And, and you know, you got to be present, man. You got to just stop yourself. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, yeah, that was effed up what he just posted. But at the same time. I'm not going to give him much energy. You know what you do? Keep scrolling. Come on. When they start trolling, you keep scrolling. That's what you need to understand. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> so cause that's usually what they want. They want a reaction because they got their own stuff that they, they don't want to address. <laughs> you know? Well, I remember when I, I interviewed Richard Makowitz when I first got into the fitness business. Yeah. He wrote this yeah. Unleashing the Warrior Within. Really interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. Passed away, yeah, yeah, passed away a couple years ago. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah. Oh, he did? He passed away from cancer a couple of years ago? Yeah, actually, I, I remember episode, I actually brought it up. Yeah, he died, I think, last year, like last fall wow. of cancer. No like idea. Last October. Yeah. Richard Makowitz, wow. You know, you're not thinking of Richard Marcinko, are you? Nope, it's Mac. It was Mac, wow. man. It was crazy. Yeah, wow. actually, that's, that's one wild. of those episodes, I think, yeah, I brought it up, and you were like, whoa, because somehow it came up in the conversation. Okay, I, just, I, like, I just forgot that actually, you brought it up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm just looking at it right now. He was the newest. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Wow. Brain cancer. Wow. Cancer. Yep. Wow. So I don't know why I didn't remember. Yeah. I, I don't recall you bringing that up. That's crazy. He was a. I met him in person too one time. My favorite book. Around. Like yeah, it's a great book. And I actually talked about getting him on the show when we first started doing the show, and he was interested. Yeah, we both it, talked about it. Just, yeah, his schedule list. just wasn't. Yeah, he was. He no. He was. He was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely come on. I just can't do it right now because of all these things. I was like, yeah, no problem, man. Whenever your schedule frees up. And obviously he had much bigger things to contend with. Yeah, that's really unfortunate because he's a really he was a really good guy. His book is great. And you know, I think I actually have that interview on tape somewhere. So maybe there'll be a way of to put it in our computer and we can just give it away as a bonus episode yeah. to Patreon oh, yeah, supporters. I'll see. Let me see if I can yeah, find that somewhere. But yeah, Richard Makowitz and I and actually the interview I did with him is on bodybuilding.com, the transcribed version of it. I actually have the audio recorded. I kept all the tapes from back then. This is 2002. But we talked about Frank Shamrock and we talked about how when a champion like him, he's the champion at the time, you know, the average person, when they think about the UFC, they're thinking about, man, if I were in there, I'd be worried about what the other person's going to do to me, right? That's just kind of like right. uh, what Tim Larkin says about Whenever a predator looks at a tape of someone being assaulted, they don't see themselves as the victim, you know, in that situation. Right. They see themselves as the predator in that situation. They're not going, oh, well, if right. I were the victim, I would do this. They're like, oh, okay, I'll, this is what I would do if I were the predator. It's just that kind of situation. So we talked about the champion mindset of Frank Shamrock is when he goes into a fight, he's not worried about what the other person is going to do to him. He's thinking about how he's going to enforce his will on the other person. And that's basically the mindset you want to have when you go on Twitter or social media. And what I mean by that is when I get on Twitter, I'm, I have an agenda of what I want to get on there. Exactly. And I'm not going on there to look at what other people are posting. I mean, I'll look at what you're posting or Prince or, you know, people I know, but I don't yeah, care what other people are posting. You know, people that I don't exactly. even know. Like, I, I, I never go to my timeline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I never go on my timeline. What I use is like, I have, there are people that I like to follow, like, you know, <clears throat> like, um, shit, man, just pick somebody like Thomas Sowell or somebody like that. I'll put, I turn on notifications for that. 
And but other than that, the fact that they know that, you know, I interact with you more and I interact with Prince more, then I'll get an alert from Twitter, you know, if you guys have posted something. But anybody yeah. else, I could care less. I don't go to the timeline to see that. It's just like when I go no. to my notifications, I see the people that I most likely already, you know, interact with or at least retweet or something like that. It, it's figured it out, you know, whether it's right. stoic or whatever else. <clears throat> but all this other stuff, even when I see the trends for you, half the time I look at those trends, I'm like, yeah, these trends are not for me. So I go on there with a couple of key agendas. One, animal rights stuff, project child safe type stuff, whatever cause I'm into, getting that word out there. Yep. Otherwise, promoting a new article. I just wrote an article on DHA, for example, putting that out there, promoting the podcast, promoting business. There's a, there's a clear purpose. And then sometimes right. I'll go on there just for fun. I, want, I need a good laugh. So I'll go in there and joke around with Prince or you or someone else I know on there, you know, right. just something, just goofing around, having a good time. But what I don't do is go on there and just scroll through the feed, like you just said, looking at what other people are outraged about and so forth. Because, <laughs> right. So what? Okay, you're outraged about this. What am I going to do? I'm going to join in that outrage on Twitter as if that's going to have some meaningful impact on on what we're all outraged about. Right. Yeah, exactly. I always say, I was telling these people at the dark park, I go, look, if I have time to waste on Twitter, I have time to do something better than that. <laughs> you know? exactly. That's always the way I look <laughs> or, at it. You know, or, you know, look, man, if I got time to be pissed off about something and outraged about something, then I have time to go do something about it. Like, right. really right. do exactly. something meaningful exactly. about it. You know, just like, okay, I'm like, if I see something, I, like, if you post something where, like, the asshole that, that punted the cat. You know, I'm not going right. to sit there and like, right. oh, how dare this asshole. I'm like, oh, F that guy. And, okay, what, what, you know, what can we do? Right. You sign the petition, no, you go to an organization that tells them. While we were doing this, while we were doing the show, it popped up. I was like, wait a minute, what? I said, okay, let me read this after we finish talking to Dr. Gore. I want to read this now because I don't want to be pissed off during this, during this recording. <laughs> you know, because right. I'm like, just a, right. just, just right. see just a headline <clears throat> because the way my stuff shows up, I can only see some of what you posted as far as what the headline is. And I saw right, just right. enough. When I saw you say you're going to kick a field goal to this dipshit's head, I'm like, oh, man, what is this? And I saw please sign. Okay, let me read that later because I don't well, want that, to get that was, that, was the whole, that was the whole point of that post. I didn't just say I'd love to kick a field goal through this guy's head and that's it. I said that as a way to have a provocative post that draws people attention to the petition I want people to sign. So that's another exactly. goal here. I'm not, do clickbait, I'm not just good, posting. Man. Well, I'm not, <laughs> exactly. I'm not posting <laughs> Saying, wow, here's something I'm mad about. I was like, yeah, I am mad about that, but here's an action step that we can all take to get this dipshit punished. And sometimes people right. look at petitions and go, oh, it's a waste of time to sign it. And I understand that attitude because sometimes I feel that way when right. I'm just signing stuff. But then there are times where it actually leads to something really positive, and that makes me go, you know what? This is why you have to sign every single one that comes your way because you never know which one right. is actually going to lead to a positive measure. Right. Yeah. Kind of like the the Ulan Festival, you know, last year that petition actually, you know, they they had to shut it down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, last year. Yeah. You know, now how effective it is because I I think as we're recording this now, I think it's starting back up again. You know, but well, I, I, believe, I, I believe it just happened. Yeah. And the only thing you can do is just bring so much negative press on this that the country feels compelled to shut it down because they don't want to deal with the negative ramifications. Right. That's the whole point of protesting and so forth, right? You see people picketing in front of some company that's doing nefarious things. And then you drive by and some people may say, oh, those people are just wasting their time. And it's, it's really not a waste of time because what it's doing is drawing a lot of negative attention to the, to, that a company doesn't want. And if this reaches a tipping point, right. they have to change their behavior. 
Corporations don't change their behavior because they just one day wake up and go, it's the right thing to do. They do it because of the will of the people. They're basically forced to do it because they don't want their stock to plummet and they don't want the negative attention. Right. <clears throat> you know, I mean, you see that was just like, I don't know, even just pretty much after all the, the shootings or whatever else, you say like Yeti dropping NRA and whatever else, you know, their partnership with them or whatever else. And you see Dick Sporting Goods, you know, drop because, you know, they got pressured. And, you know, and I right, always, you know, right. I, I sit there and I see the people go online. You see all two way supporters getting pissed off, like, oh, forget these companies, blah, blah, blah. But they're on Twitter tweeting about it. It's like, I say, you know why these people end up dropping, you know, any affiliation with them, these banks and whatever else is because people went and protested with their dollars against these companies. Right. Well, right. Guess what? You That's can do the, the same. Protest. You can, yeah. you can do yeah. the same thing. So I'm thinking like, you know, since, you know, reportedly there's more gun owners than non-gun owners in this country. That means you got a lot more money to bargain with than these people do. So why? Right. So instead of tweeting about it, you know, do the same thing. Somehow vote with your dollars. As with anything, I don't care whether you're pro-gun, anti-gun, you know, anti-immigration, whatever. Anything that a uh, cause that really pisses you off or whatever else, vote with your dollars, man. Not with your tweet. That's just not enough. You got to do a little <laughs> more, man. <laughs> yeah, know? just I mean, how powerful does the word tweet even sound anyway? It just exactly. sounds stupid. Like <laughs> I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna tweet about what you're doing. I'm like what? <laughs> Actually, you know, one one way to increase your DHEA level and lower lower cortisol is to not spend time waste time on Facebook. I put, ironically, I posted that article on Facebook, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> but it's also kind of appropriate because that's where people need to see it, right? People wasting time on Facebook need to see it on Facebook because they may not see it. Put out a message. You got to go where the people are going to be. So you know, hey, <laughs> I was laughing. There's, as no I use, post- there's, no, there's no use posting that like on I don't know some program. That just came out and nobody's there to read it. It's kind of like a right. you know bear taking the crap in the woods, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So uh, actually, uh, I did write a really good article. Oh, I shouldn't say really good, being too self-congratulatory, but I wrote a thorough article on DHEA, how to increase it naturally, and the the, the pros and very few cons of supplementations. So you can read that on my website. It goes out to my newsletter. And that's also just a way to reinforce some of the things that Dr. Gordon came on today. But this, yeah. I think what people really need to get inspired about is when they hear stuff like this, a lot of people are feeling the symptoms right now that he's talking about. And you right. should be very inspired when you hear an episode like this because you're going, man, he's talking about me. I feel exactly what he's talking right. about. And what's great about it is you can go hire him for consultation and start feeling better. This time next year, all of a sudden, you could be a completely different person or even sooner because right. you took the positive measurements or action steps, rather, from hearing an episode just like this one. Exactly. And, you know, of course, people are like, oh, man, it sounds expensive. But, you know, how much does it cost? What's the real price of not being hormonally optimized and feeling good? Right. What's the real right. cost? You know, as opposed right. to, you know. Okay, maybe you have to buy a few tests and some supplements and, you know, and pay for consultation compared to all the years and all the time you've lost, you know, feeling good. Right. So, exactly. You know, hey, man, it sounds like a no brainer. (laughs) No doubt. Yep. Well, cool. also, no we brainer is to go to both of our websites and support our products. <laughs> this is called a segue, people, in broadcast. That's a good segue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, Mike's talking about this article that he just wrote, man. And he's like, if you don't have that, that means obviously you're not on his list and you need to go to his website. Head over to MikeMuller.com. And also, while you're there, use that coupon code that we've talked about for at least five years now. Put in that, <laughs> that coupon code LLA 
you know, get, get 10% off our products, man, and, uh, and services and whatever else that's there, as well as my website, New Warrior Training. And also, make sure that you're sharing this episode, man. There's a lot of good information that's coming on over here. And share that. Let other people know. There's probably some other. Well, I guarantee you, there's a lot of people not feeling great these days, and they need information like this. And they're probably not getting this from other podcasts or whatever. There's very few, if any. You know, otherwise, it's people still talking about the same old crap over and over and over. And they're talking about, you know, why something's going on in the news and why it's pissing people off. Well, hey, man, put this share this episode so it can help people not be so pissed off about things, but actually take action instead of spending all this energy being pissed off. So, you know, right. make sure you share this on social media. Make sure you're sharing this. If you're going to be on social media, do it. Do some good stuff while you're there. Share this episode. Share this podcast. You know, and also, you know, make sure you rate and review us, too, man. Help us get to the. To make sure that people find us a lot easier, whatever platform they're using, whether it's um, Apple Podcasts or if it's Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, any of those platforms out there. Just help us really get the word out there. And last but not least, hey, man, if you truly enjoy what we're doing with this show, man, you know, why not help and support us even more by going over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a subscriber, a premium subscriber. Get these episodes before everyone else. Get bonus episodes like we were just talking about a minute ago. And, um, you know, we're talking about like um, the episode that Mike, well, actually the interview that Mike did with uh, Richard Makowitz and, and even other bonus material, which he just kind of got my brain going right there. Like we have a lot of good information from things that we were doing long before this podcast that some people right. may not be aware of. And I think by going on Patreon and sharing that with our Patreon listeners, you know, subscribers, I said, I think that's a good thing we can do, right? That's just add on to the bonus material that we've been kind of coming up with already. So, Hey, you don't want to miss out on that. So go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast and support us there. I mean, cause all that stuff really helps us keep the show going and growing. And just really make it worth the while, man, getting this information out there because it's just no fun just having this information, you know, amongst ourselves and talking to ourselves about this. That's why we did this show. Got tired of always just talking to ourselves about all this good stuff. Like, hey, man, somebody else needs to hear this. And that's why we yeah. came up with this. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, you can only do free for so long. <laughs> and who's going to really value free after a while? So, you know, when you put some skin in the game, man, you, you expect more. And, you just, hey, you get more. So other than that, man, I think this is a great episode. Always good to have Dr. Yeah. Gordon on. Uh, it's never a waste of time. And it's, it's, it's always great to, like, really learn, get educated, but at the same time still have some fun while you're doing it. And then, so it doesn't become like a lecture fest because otherwise we right. can all go back to right. college for that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's all I got. Sounds good. We can go ahead and wrap up. Take care, everyone. All right, folks, take care.